nothing wrong There's a code of silence and it can't go on Hi folks, I'm Alan Watt and this is Cutting Through the Matrix on July the 9th, 2009. For newcomers, look into cuttingthroughthematrix.com website. On the front page, you'll see all the other servers and sites that I have. You should bookmark these for future use in case the main ones go down the com goes down uh, because there's a good chance it will in the near future. I've had trouble before with Yahoo. And they are tightening the screws across the world. Uh, and most of the public never hear about it. Once in a while, little things leak out to the press to give you an idea that the policing, as they say, is going on. And if they can't just simply police you or get you off legally, uh, they simply intimidate you and give you problems with the service and so on and keep you running around for circles for two or three weeks, which is what they did to me the last time. And they couldn't find out what the problem was in the first place. So look into cuttingthrough.jenkins.com. That's one of the other main sites. Cuttingthroughthematrix.net.us.ca. There's also Alan Watt, cuttingthroughthematrix.ca. And Alan Watt, sentient sentinel. The sentient sentinel one, .eu, is the European site, and it also has all the audios of the past talks I've given, plus it has uh, quite a few transcripts of these talks in print-up, written in the various languages of Europe. And remember, you keep me going. The listeners keep me going. I'm one of the few guys, maybe the only one that does this. I don't ask uh, the advertisers for money. Uh, and uh, uh, that way, I'm for sort of free hand to say what I want to say and think the way I want to think. Generally, hosts get money from the advertisers, and that, that pays their wages, salaries, whatever else they have to do. The ads you hear on the show go straight to RBM, at least the money does, and that pays for airtime, it pays for the staff, engineers, equipment, and their bills, and all the rest of it. So you keep me going by, by your donations and find out how to do it. That's cuttingthroughmatrix.com website. There's PayPal, and there's also personal checks accepted from the U.S. and Canada. That's fine. Outside Western Union, or even MoneyGram. That's fine. And you can also order the books and DVDs, etc., that I have for sale on my website. That makes things almost, almost take over. And things are going up. Everything goes up as well. No, they won't use the word inflation anymore. They call it quantitative easing. Quantitative easing sounds much better than inflation. But anyone who goes to town every every week or so uh, will notice the price of everything just escalating. No one wants to talk about it either. That's pretty standard in today's society. Uh, those who get disburned by those who have computers and, and they don't like using computers themselves, they get them passed around to them, they play in their CD players. You can write to me at Alan Watt, site 41, box 4, Estaire, which is E-S-T-A-I-R-E, Ontario, Canada. And the postal code is P as in Peter, E as in Elizabeth, 4, N as in Nora, 1, P3E4N1. And that's out of the way. What a world we live in, isn't it? Uh, I've gone on about how our perceptions of things are 
always we're guided to perceptions, if you like. We're, we're guided to conclusions on mostly every major thing that controls our lives. We think everything's natural. We think we're stumbling down through time. Most people truly believe that politicians deal with crisis as they come up out of the blue, and nothing is further from the truth. And we'll go into this in more detail after this break. Way, no matter what front 
it has running the system for it, whether it's religious, political, or post-democratic, is where it really into now. Now we're into the authoritarian stage, where under the guise of terrorism, from, from everything except the Martians, including, including plagues and coming plagues and possible plagues uh, and, and cat- catastrophes from the weather and all the rest of it, and terrorists all at the same time, and financial bank collapses and so on, um, then we're under authority. It's the only way to save us is, is by being under tremendous authority. I think it was Goring said in World War II that it was easy to take over a country and get the public to support you. All you do is terrify the general population that they're going to be attacked by an enemy. And then your party shouts out that the existing in-party isn't doing enough to save the people, but you're going to do it, and the people will, will suddenly vote you in, you see. That's how Adolf Hitler got in. So the t- same technique is used again. Terrify the public, and we turn. The abused victim turns to the abuser for help. And that's exactly what government wants, because they expand their, 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 their scope for every facet of your life, post-democratic, authoritarian. And in a, it's really a form of scientific, in a, in a surface form, it's scientific dictatorship, as Huxley said, Aldo Huxley. Because once again, the scientific dictatorship are just the new high priests that are given to us with all their theories, which we have to obey. But it's still the mercantile order behind them, because they run all the goods that move across the planet. Everything runs on economics, and they are the gods of economics and the economy. They're the ones that ditch out grants to all these scientists, and to every country it goes cap in hand to the World Bank, which they all do. All of them. Every prime minister, every president, whether through an intermediary like the head of the Federal Reserve or the Bank of Canada, goes to the World Bank. And international bankers really own the world's resources and everything that shifts across the surface of the planet. That's how it's really run, regardless of the age we live in and the facade they use to control us. And under the guise of terror and fear and all the rest of it, we always buckle under because the media is a powerful arm of government. Any media can close tomorrow if one of the top men in commerce, one of the top people, puts the word out and all advertising is suddenly pooled, kaputs, that's it, finished. I can remember when one of the, I think it was one of the Rothschilds was found dead a few years ago, and it was a grandma Rothschild, apparently, went round some of the newspapers in Fleet Street in London telling them that they printed any more on this story. They'd be closed before the week was out. Simple as that. Simple as that. And you can yell democracy all you want. Makes nothing. means nothing to those with the power. They've always used it. They always will use it. Aldo Huxley, in 1962 at Berkeley, gave a speech about the, the, his books. First his novel, Brave New World, and then Brave New World revisited the non-fictional work. And he basically said the non-fictional work 
was the truth. He says it could be made to happen quite easily. And the whole point, remember, of this post-democratic system, authoritarian system, is run along the lines of an institute that he belonged to, the Royal Institute for International Affairs, and his brother belonged to it too, which said they'd bring in a world of servitude. Your purpose would be to serve the world system, the world state. Eugenics and depopulation down to a bare minimum of the necessary were also what they talked about. Always remember that. But they used the masses to get to that stage. Then they call the masses off. And this is what he said at Berkeley in 1962. Now, I have the audio on my site in the archive section for those folk that want to go in and listen to it. He says, it seems to me that the nature of the ultimate revolution, ultimate revolution, they admit there's been previous ones, but also they don't tell you that he and his kin and predecessors were all part of the previous ones too, down through the ages. The ultimate revolution with which we are now faced is precisely this, that we are in process of developing a whole series of techniques. Techniques are very interesting. You're into, I've given talks on techniques alone, which will enable the controlling oligarchy who have always existed and presumably will always exist to get people to love their servitude. To love their servitude. Look around you at the children who are going through all the propaganda at school to do with the greening systems, etc. Look at the adults involved, fallen for it, who are running around with their reusable green bags to the grocers, etc. And all the go green everywhere you see in, in all the stores were going green. What does going green mean? How do you go green? And in the supermarkets, uh, want you to pay now five cents for every plastic bag, which is just a pure profit on top of the fact that, that you've already paid for it in all the items that you've bought. Pure profit. Everybody's cashing in on the con. Going green. I was in the grocery store last week, and, and the girl says, do you want a plastic bag? Never used to ask you that. And I said, to, and knowing darn well, she was going to say, well, it's going to cost you five cents per bag. I says, well, just chuck them in the air. Just throw them in the air and I'll juggle them all the way to the car. That's what I said. How stupid can you be? Do you want a bag? But that's how stupid folk are, you see, that they can't think for themselves. And they've swallowed reality as it's been presented to them completely. They've never had a question in their mind about anything. Their entire lives. Like Brzezinski said, shortly the public will be unable to reason for themselves. They'll expect the media to do their thinking and reasoning for them. That happened a long time ago. That's what he said in his book, Between Two Ages. It's amazing, isn't it? So we're always given the fear thing for the age, and we've got quite a few fear ones on the go at the same time right now, all working together. Generally, there's a trinity of fear going on at any one time. These are the threes, you see. You see, one crisis, and most folk, most folk, even those who are not terribly strong, can cope with one crisis hitting them at a time, personally. You might, if you're a bit stronger, cope with two major crises happening. But once you get into three or more, you start to crack up like Pavlov's dog. That's something they're taught at the top. They're taught this stuff. 
have global warming. Then I've changed to climate change, meaning the weather is always changing. We've got coming flu that's just going to, they know it's going to mutate into a killer. They, they knew that with the bird one that never happened either. And they've got financial collapse and put terrorism as well on top, just thrown in for luck. Back with more after these messages. through the matrix, talking about how our conclusions are reached and how we're guided to them, our perceptions are distorted by techniques, as they call them, beautiful techniques uh, that cover many different areas of particular science, and how most folk never know it's even being used on them. Huxley and even Russell, too, both said that eventually the public would come to conclusions without ever knowing how they reached them. And that truly happens. They're downloaded, mainly by television. It's very easy through TV. Everyone's getting the standard, same download every day across the whole planet now. So the reality is given to them. Back in the 70s, already on through the 60s with all the, the bomb hype, that was the big, big technique to, for governments to make a big grabs, an ongoing war, cold wars. Uh, they could tax the people like crazy, uh, the big secret organizations, CIA, MI6, and so on, expanded dramatically. Uh, governments were, took more power uh, uh, over the people to keep them safe, mind you. And they'd even been training children in the 60s to go under their desks when they heard the alarms go off, the sirens go off for a coming air raid of atomic weaponry. Uh, at the same time, they would show you this one house. They always showed you the same one big building somewhere. And it had dog tied in this military experiment, a dog tied to a post. And you see this blast hitting it, and there's nothing left. Nothing at all. But they're telling the children to go under their desks, right? That was all fear conditioning. Fear conditioning, you see. Because those were the generation in the 60s. That was the generation that was to grow up, to be the protesters, which is what they wanted. They wanted big demonstrations which would, again, scare all the viewers, the ones that didn't go. This was all real and we're going to get annihilated at any time at all. Meanwhile, as I say, the Rees Commission in the 50s had gone round the big foundations, Ford, uh, Rockefeller, Carnegie, etc., to investigate why they seemed to be funding what they thought were communist factions all throughout the United States and the Western world. And Senator Norman Dodds was told by the, the head, I think, of the Ford one, it says, we take our orders right from the White House. It says, our job is to eventually bring the complete system of the Soviets and merge it together with the system of the West so that it'll just blend sort of happily together. And, of course, in other words, they already had the next 50-odd years planned out it's all planned. Everything is planned way ahead of time with their 50 and 100 year plans and all the rest of it. But they needed the public to go. See, the public it must be convinced of all that it's all real. And demand from government we have peace. And demands 
that not just peace, but even communistic-style systems allowed into the West. And, of course, George Bush Sr. came up with the term communitarianism will be the way of the future, meaning collectivism, which is exactly what the Club of Rome, big think tank that's connected to all the other big think tanks and foundations, came up with in the 70s when they were told to find a way to unite the world. They said a warfare scenario would have to be. Because that's when we all buckle under and do what we're told. Just keep safe, you see. And they said that, that global warming would fit the bill. They looked at all the other techniques. They even tried all the Martian stuff and Martian invasions. They put out so many movies out there. So many movies and television uh, serials on, uh, like V, and, and, and the reptiles that came from outer space. And folk, folk think it's all normal. They're getting downloaded with these ideas all the time. Because they were thinking of using holographs and different things at the time to really make the world think we're under attack. John Dewey was the first person back in the 20s, I believe, to say if we were attacked from outer space, people would have to come together as one, under one system, to defend themselves. Ronald Reagan said about 10, 15 times in speeches, same thing. But they realized they couldn't con everybody with that one, even though they'd created the big UFO movement, massive movement, put out thousands and thousands of books by hack authors, to create this whole new age. So global warming and man being the enemy of the planet was the one that they said they hit on at the Club of Rome, who looked at all these other ones, you see. And in the 70s, just to, to heighten the pitch of it all, late 70s, I think it was, uh, televised everywhere across the world, at the same time, was a two or three part serial every week. It was, it was called, um, I think it was called The Day After. They loved that, The Day After. I think there was one out not a few years ago called The Day After Tomorrow. Because there's, there's more meanings in The Day After if you're up in the higher echelons of the, the hidden, you might say, in their terminology. But The Day After was about, it was done in a Spielberg-type way where they go through the boring stuff and they meet John, who works in a, a silo in the States, and they meet his wife and all the other ones, etc. And then there's a, a, a lot of nasty accidents happen and all the missiles are fired across the world at the same time and then the third series ends with just all these trails in the sky and then the boom and that was it. Terrified the blazes out of everybody. That's what it was intended to do. The most widely publicized and it was the first one globally that was pushed out globally at the same time. So we would all get the message. We'd be very, very scared children. That's what they do. There's another big one coming up soon about the global warming. Big, big, biggie on NBC. Back with more after these messages. You're listening to the Republic Broadcasting Network. Because you can handle the truth. how we reach them, how we're guided through fear. Uh, very Pavlovian methods are used. 
very simple stuff, really, when you sit back and think about it. But it's done on such a vast scale, with unlimited financing, that it seems so huge to us that no one would possibly go to all that trouble to kid us on. But they do. It's very important that we're fooled, very important that we really believe them. Because only then can we be guided properly that we were supposed to go. We must believe properly. Remember that old saying that Charles Fort said and others have said? In every age, the proper people saw to it that the proper religion was created and taught properly to the people. It was done properly, given properly to the people, and the people believed properly. That's how simple it is. How simple it is. So, going back, as I say, that late 70s, the day after was that big nuclear annihilation type thing that left everybody stunned, going, oh, 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 what will we do? And then, then of course, for, for the, this age coming up, we had Al Gore with his inconvenient truth, like the in-con bit. That's an in-house joke, inconvenient uh, truth. And this is from the allegory himself that, that wouldn't know the truth if it hit him in the face. You should see who trained Al Gore. Look into his background. The man who trained him had, was a multi-probably billionaire in the U.S. And also he had an apartment next to First Lenin and then Stalin. He was allowed to cross back and forth all the time. You see, all the top communists were multi-millionaires. Even Pierre Trudeau in Canada, who led the Comintern meeting as the head of it in 1952 to Moscow. I was kept out of all the media in Canada when he ran to be Prime Minister. Then won. Everything's a setup. Because after all, you would have two sides to change the world in the dialectic. And you get the third way coming out of it, the merger of the two systems. But you've plan, you planned both of them. And, and society that must get moved from one field to another. We don't like moving from a grazing field. That's how it's done from one system to the next. So this, and then there was another one called, I think the day after something or another, tomorrow, it was put out uh, two or three years ago by, uh, I can't remember if it's Art Bell and a bunch of people that showed New York under ice and all the rest of it. And then there was another Spielberg movie out too that showed you the same thing at one point as we went through these massive changes over millions of years. And now we're into global warming. We're going to fry to death. That kind of died down because they've found and proven now that it's been cooling for 10 or 15 years. But it doesn't matter. Now it's climate change. They can't change their plan, you see. This movie coming up, it's to be shown, it's really getting hyped big time on NBC. It's on July the 26th and August the 2nd, maybe running to August the 2nd. It's supposedly a fictional made-for-TV movie where... They end up with catastrophe at the end to do you know, the weather, the weather, you see. But also goes into government weather modification, maybe trying to save us all. Maybe having to bioengineer the planet or, or, or geoengineer the atmosphere or something to save us all, you see. Just more predictive programming and to make it seem all real. And they'll give you all these little characters and try to give them personalities so you identify with at least one of them in the, in, the, in the series. That's what they always do. That's why they go through this boring stuff and here's Gloria and, and here's what she likes and so on. And here's so They give you a, a cast of characters hoping your, your personality will fit one of them and you'll identify with one of them. That's why it's so boring for the first 
two-thirds of the movies you see in these catastrophe movies. That's how they do it, simple technique. So that will be coming out to terrify the bejesus out of everybody shortly. And unfortunately, it doesn't take much with the general public who watch nothing but mainstream television. Nothing but mainstream. Mail Online, and this is the 7th of July, 2009. Hysteria is the real threat, not global warming. By Andrew, or Andrew Alexander. And we've, we've, I don't know if people know that Tony Blair is now a member of the parallel government, the one that Quigley talks about, the CFR, Royal International Affairs. And he's got the same status in his bodyguards and that the British taxpayer all pay for life. And now he can work as a technocrat behind uh, politics, away from politics, and not be responsible to the public, you see. They get the real work done, as Quigley said, like Maury Strong. This is with Tony Blair launching his own plan to save the world, grown. That's what he says in, in brackets. And the G8 leaders also unveiling their thoughts about global warming. This is a big week for environmental fanaticism. Whatever he or they offer, it will not be enough to quell the warmest semi-religious fervor. They're like medieval preachers proclaiming to baying crowds that the end of the world is nigh. Then they show you a really beautiful picture of the G8 summit in Italy. It's got the, it's got the, the logo of it. It's, it's fascinating in its occultism. Fascinating. Have a look at it and see what's it. It's just incredible. What's right in your face? It says, well, is it? There are two separate climate issues, the extent of global warming and the role that humanity plays in it. To some facts help, the famous 96 report by the International Panet on Climate Change, you know, with a bunch of so-called experts that's paid to tell us the fear stuff at the United Nations. If they say anything else, they're kicked off. If they contradict the group, they're kicked out. Anyway, they predicted serious global warming and blamed mankind exactly what the Club of Rome said in their book, The First Global Revolution, that they thought up the idea back in the 70s. But since then, the world has disobligingly stopped warming, and two years of global cooling, there's been actually quite a few now, erased nearly 30 years of recorded temperature rises. What was the worrying rise in temperature so exciting for those whose computer models used the past to predict the future, the grim future? Given the margin of error associated with the old-style thermometers, which were until only recently used to record temperatures, do you know the differences in them? Well, you know what the difference is? I'll tell you right here what the difference is. It should be stated thus, over the past 100 years, temperature has risen by 0.7 degrees centigrade, plus or minus 1.3 degrees. That's the differences in all the different old glass thermometers across the planet. It is only important importance a serious scientist can attach to such a figure is that less serious people think it meaningful. My own science teacher would have kept me in after school for saying this was a, a valuable figure. But as you will have noticed, it worked. The catastrophists piled in, uh, some of whom had previously flourished warnish, warnings about global cooling. For some, any figure will do, especially when it gives them a media profile. And then it says, and grants for research. See, these guys live on grants. You know, I read an article a few weeks back where one of the guys who works at the IPCPC at the United Nations that 
whose job it is to, is to terrify us it's global warming and so on uh, was actually working in garbage he wasn't a scientist at all well most folk would probably take that kind of new paycheck to spout out and, and agree with the crowd the group and to spout out warming 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 as well as probably a hundred times his salary his old salary it says those who worry about facts should look at the findings of NASA and says see the website whose up-to-date and sophisticated global surveys throw such doubt on the warmest claims. They should also have read Heaven and Earth by Ian Plimmer, Meritus Professor of Earth Sciences at the University of Melbourne and Professor of Mining Geology at the University of Adelaide. It's the best book on science and scientists I have ever read. Piece by piece, he takes apart the work of the fanatics. Far from denying global warming, he stresses it regularly and occasionally it's abruptness, and it happens it's an abruptness in how humans have had to adapt it goes up and down like a yo-yo maybe 10 years of this 20 years of that a millennium ago Greenland was warm with a rich agriculture not much man-made carbon gas then over half of the past 6 million years the climate was warmer than it is now remember too in the middle ages it's not in here but <clears throat> in the middle ages they stopped building uh, um, fires inside their homes chimneys for cooking or heating because they didn't need it for 200 years. That's around the same period, um, prior to that, they had the same thing happening when the Crusades were on. It was the hottest century ever. And they're all off to the Middle East in their armor at the same time, which says I'm right. It says the finding that human activity influenced global climate involved the deletion of an original passage by saying they had no evidence that greenhouse gases played a role and had the best answer was, so they scored it out and says, we don't know. Well, now as the they presume it is. There's always a temptation to assume that anyone labelled a scientist thinks scientifically. Learned philosophers have discussed how experiments are regularly conducted to prove a desired conclusion rather than to ascertain the truth. Professor Plymer provides a sharp end view of this. The use of computer models excites his particular disdain. He cites 17 areas of science ranging from tectonics to meteorology which need to be utilized in analyzing climate change. No computer I've ever heard of can do this meaningfully. In every area, conclusions such as they are are subject to wide margins of error and often fierce debate. Simple multiplication demonstrates that even modest margins of error must collectively become magnified into enormous final ones. And he says if computer models torture the data enough, the data will confess to anything. Yet all this leaves a big problem. If the data is really so inconclusive, not to say contradictory, why is the fanatics' message so successful? Well, we know why on this show, because we've gone through the agenda, and, it, and it's financing. And who's financing it? And the very fact they even put their own boys into politics. It's a must-be scenario to control us over the next at least 100 years. That's why. That's why. But it's fascinating, as I say. Now, there's a caller there, if you're still hanging on. It's Diana from California. I should really take her before I continue. Are you there, Diana? Hello. Hear me? Yes. Hi. I have been attempting to read Agenda 21. Uh, 
picked it up and put it down four times over the past several months. Anyway, I finally got into it. I think I got the flow of the bureaucraties, but I have some questions, and it's mainly on wording. Um, when they talk about human settlements, are they referring to settlements for the elite that will be nice and beautiful, or are they? is that a different word for habitat in their mind? Uh, it's both, actually. Uh, under the, the, uh, the other part of the plan, which is called commutarianism, and in the, the published other articles on this before that last one came out, at the Agenda 21, they want the sustainable community. So they want sort of labouring classes, almost like um, creating their own particular articles for sale to other communities across the world, but small small communities, basically. Yeah. Even yeah. with handicrafts okay, and all that, yeah. Yeah. yeah, that's what I thought. Okay, and next question. There's about three, but they should be quick. Um, in the poverty section, combating poverty, it talks about, um, let me see, uh, to provide, uh, just to provide all persons urgently with the opportunity to earn a sustainable livelihood. Now, when they say all persons, are they referring to the elites? Uh, person is an amazing word because it's used in law, and <clears throat> uh, you have to go into the meaning of person uh, in law to get the right meaning from it. Okay. You can, you can say you're an individual or, or you're, you're um, a human being even, but if you say a person, you're under a different category altogether. Citizen, again, puts you under a different category. Really? Uh, so it, okay. It's referring to a particular group, yeah. Okay, good. That's that one. And okay, I'm gonna skip that one. Sorry, so many little notes here. Um, oh, you know what I did notice in the demographics section. They specifically state here, uh, policies and programs should be developed for handling the various types of migrations that result from or induce environmental disruptions. They're talking about weather control there, right? That is one of them, uh, absolutely, yeah. But also what they want to do in this brave new world is to contain, uh, see, the working communities that they still want to have around, small ones, yeah. mm -hmm. um, making their shoes and stuff like that. And building baskets for them and all that kind of stuff, you know, nice, nice cozy, rosy stuff. Um, they, they don't want them moving either from their areas under, oh. under this. H.G. Uh, Wells gives you a better scenario because it was planned a long time ago, and he wrote the book, uh, A Modern Utopia. You should read that book. Okay. Because outside, you'll be, there's a restriction of travel outside your permitted area if you get permission to do it. Yeah. Right. Okay. And then I also noticed in uh, oh, the health section, where is it here? They refer to respiratory infections and acute respiratory infections like five times. Now, this is written in 1992. Yeah. So they were anticipating the spray, the, the chemtrail problems yeah. here. Yeah. Weren't they? They were, okay. they were anticipating it back in the 60s when Buckminster Fuller first got his, his picture of the first dome. I think it was Houston. And I, I gave the links for it before, a couple of weeks ago. You can punch it up and see it for yourself. 
uh, where they, where they explained why they wanted to put a dome over a good part of the city, and then others followed suit. I saw one in the 80s, early 80s, by an architect uh, over for Toronto, and then we have books coming out now from guys in the UN about the domed cities. Yeah. And then you had that dome, remember that dome experiment with the hard youngsters to go in there and live there uh, for so many years, supposedly, that was in the States, mm-hmm. and they kept giving us little bits of how they were doing and sustaining themselves inside the dome. Uh, that was all part of that project as well. Yeah, yeah Logan's Run was set in a dome also, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, that's right, sort of underground dome, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, okay. I think this is my last question here. It's in the uh, demographic section. Now, they keep, you know how they'll, they'll use a whole phrase, like a string of 12 or 15 words, and they'll use it over and over in different paragraphs. But they like to say, um, to decide freedom, oh, shoot, where is it, where is it, where is it? Anyway, they mention freedom, dignity, and personally held values. And so I'm reading that thinking, you know, that's all good, but what do they mean? Yeah, yeah. Well, what? freedom, remember, freedom is slavery. Remember that first thing I read tonight's show with Huxley, it says people will come to love their servitude. Yeah, yeah. Uh, under the new socialist system, uh, that we partly almost like the Chinese model, um, you can't complain about government. You must think you're all working together collectively for the good of all and to save the world. So that's what that really means. But hold on. Yeah, we'll, yeah hold on. And we'll go into more of that when we come back from this break. Diana from California. Are you still here, Diana? Yes, hello. Yes, yes, continue. Okay, last question is throughout all of these few chapters that I've gone through is they consistently mention women, youth, indigenous people, and women empowering women, getting them jobs, getting them all this. Is that because, as you said, uh, you know, if they can get the women, the children will follow and then the men will follow? It's or partly that, that but, but here's the strategy they've used at the United Nations for years, an awful long time. Uh, they send in NGOs, first of all, often again financed by U.S. aid and so on, and, and the foundations. And they, they start to teach women. Um, it's not just teaching women. First, they befriend them. Uh, they're going to third world countries, so they're really looked up to these people who come in. And uh, they're almost treated worshipped in a sense because of their status and their wealth and all the rest of it. That's how third world people see them. And they want to emulate that. They're given grants by the UN, just the women, uh, to start businesses up. They're given education just for the women. That's what Oprah does too in Africa, just for the women. Yeah. And yeah. The, the guys, the idea is, is a political maneuver to bypass the male input altogether. Because men tend to, to stand back and say, what's the con here? What's really going on? What's... It was a political agenda, but, but they, they bribed the woman to a set in a sense to bypass That's the men. Right. Now, remember, that ties in with Kissinger's long-term strategy on depopulation of the third world that I read the other night. And um, when he made it, a, a, a bit, uh, he put out that uh, memorandum. I read it last night, in fact. Yeah. For the third world countries, this is one technique to bypass the future problems, which are the men. And if the women don't breed, you see, the other thing, too, is not to have children and yeah, go through, through the material wealth. 
yeah, they go for material wealth, don't have children, uh, have abortions, and that's applied to them again by these agencies under the United Nations umbrella through the NGOs and the foundations and the government. Uh, then, then it's to bring the population down so that they can bypass future problems uh, that will happen in those countries when the U.S., uh, at least those who rule the U.S., want to go in and take the resources. They won't have the people simply to fight back. And men who have nothing to fight for will not fight at all. They generally fight for their family, you see. Okay, lastly, do you have any hints or tricks or words of wisdom on reading bureaucratic Bureaucracies is, is, is a fascinating topic. If you can go into the writings of uh, some, a couple of the founders of the Fabian Society, um, Sidney and Beatrice Webb, W-E-B-B, uh, they were the creators of modern bureaucraties language. And they worked with uh, Shaw and Wells and others of the founders along with the big um, financiers that came in to, to back them. Uh, but they, they created uh, what we now know as uh, bureaucraties, yeah. And, and their books are available. They're very, very boring, believe you me, but they'll often define their terms. You must also go into preambles of anything that's signed. In the preamble, they will often tell you uh, what particular words will mean in the context of the articles below. Okay, good. Which is often well, very different it. from what you'd think. <laughs> Yeah, I'm learning that. I'd look yes. up a lot of words. Well, thank you very much, and have a good night. And same to you. Thanks. And there's the music coming in. And I was going to read something from the Reincarnation Bank. You can actually put money in the bank, and, and when you come back in another life, you can, you can um, get someone to regress you and find the codes and claim your money back. I mean, I'll tell you, if this person was born into a powerful family, powerful family, they'd be way up there with the Rockefellers. It's called the Reincarnation Bank. I'll put the link up for tonight. From Hamish, myself, and to your Canada, it's good night. May your God or your gods go with you. Mm-hmm.